Here's the rundown for this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, cannabis, yes, cigars no in New York City. Number two, Troy Aikman makes an innocuous comment on Monday Night Football. He is roasted by the woke loser mob. Number three, fake meat is toast. Number four, DC Comics cancels gay Superman. I'm shocked. And number five, thumbs up emoji canceled by Gen Z Betas. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in Corojo, Maduro, and now Connecticut presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Jam-packed show for you today. Another award-winning edition of the Cigar Dave Show coming your way right now. Long-ash greetings and salutations. A long-ash snappy salute. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Hashtag Red Wave. It is Cigar Dave, your global five-star general, Alpha Male-in-Chief, front and center, from Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Number one on the rundown today. Cigars, no in New York City, but have all the cannabis and marijuana and weed that you want anywhere that you want. It is hard for me to believe that a legal product, cigars, which have been around for hundreds of years, that we enjoy in moderation, that we as cigar connoisseurs, we're polite, we're very cognizant of other people that may not enjoy the aroma of our cigars. Again, we can't all be perfect. What can I tell you? But it, there has been the last 20 years a concerted war against those of us that enjoy cigars and the cigar itself. New York City, front and center of the pack, along with the People's Republic of California. New York City. Banning smoking. You can't open a new cigar store. It's almost impossible to open a new cigar store in the city itself. All sorts of restrictions where you can't smoke, where you can't smoke on a sidewalk, you can't smoke in a park. But if you want to fire up a joint, be my guest. Case in point, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, one of the dumbest, I mean dumbest, to quote General Patton, sons of bitches on the planet, Eric Adams, all big hat, no cattle, loves to wear the nice suits, loves to live the lifestyle, one of the dumbest men in America, probably next to Don Lululemon, no doubt about it. They both belong, they deserve each other, although Eric Adams, I think, is straight and Don Lululemon is not so straight, so it wouldn't be a match made in heaven, but from a mental perspective, they're both idiots. Eric Adams just appointed 
a founding director of the Cannabis New York City Initiative, a new cannabis czar, Dashida Dawson. She's the founding director of the Cannabis New York City Initiative. She will lead the agency's support of the city's cannabis industry. Think about this for a minute. Marijuana, illegal for many, many years, now being legalized across the country. I have no problem with it. The problem I do have is that everywhere you go in New York City, from talking to people that live in New York City, tell me that's all you smell is weed and pot everywhere. Now, if you want to smoke a cigar in New York City, I'll guarantee you somebody will come up and say, how dare you smoke that cigar? It's illegal to smoke a cigar on a city sidewalk or within 20 feet of buildings. But when it comes to pot, have at it. Free reign, laissez-faire. We're not going after your weed. The hypocrisy is rather amusing and amazing to me. So this gal, this, uh, this new cannabis czar that came from Portland, they are now, the city, encouraging the cannabis industry. They want the cannabis industry to grow through public education, direct services to cannabis entrepreneurs, professionals, legislative advocacy, policy development at all levels of government. This is right from the city's press release. This is unbelievable to me. You want to open up a cigar store? You want to have a cigar? Oh, no chance. But we will more than, we will assist you, we'll guide you, we'll help you open up a dispensary. New York is now actually proud of the fact that they have, are recognized as the cannabis consumption capital of the world. As I say, I don't have a problem with people that want to light up a joint. Do I think they should be able to operate vehicles or machinery or do that at work? Absolutely not. You want to smoke a joint, be my guest. But allow me to have a cigar, to enjoy a cigar in peace, to smoke a cigar without harassment. Eric Adams said in his official statement, our administration is committed to planting the seeds for equity. There's that word again, equity. Got to have equity in a high-growth budding industry like cannabis sales. The nation's most equitable cannabis industry will be in New York City. And to drive that goal home, we've chosen a professional leader with unmatched experience and credibility in this field. Dashida Dawson will fill the needs of entrepreneurs in this space. And as a person with lived experience and who was harmed by the war on drugs, this is personal for her. I look forward to working with her day after day to get stuff done for New Yorkers and grow this initiative. Well, I've been harmed by the war on cigars, and so have you. The war on pleasure. We've had a war against those of us that want to enjoy cigars, that want to enjoy meat, that want to enjoy gas-powered vehicles. There's been a war on us for umpteen years. So I find this absolutely amazing to me, that here we've got a city that virtually cut the balls off the cigar industry in New York City. They made it so impossible and so difficult to fire up a cigar, just enjoy a cigar, whether it's in a cigar lounge, whether it's in a cigar club, whether it's in a city park, whether it's on the street, on the sidewalk as you're walking between buildings. Oh, no, can't have a cigar. But fire up your joint because it's for recreational medicinal purposes. Do you see the hypocrisy? Again, you can smoke all the cigars you want, get in a car, and it's not going to affect your ability 
uh, your judgment ability. It's not going to affect your, your motor skills. Have umpteen joints, it most certainly will affect your motor skills and your judgment ability. And here we've got the mayor of New York City proud that New York City now the cannabis capital of the world, and he's got a cannabis czar. Well, damn it, I think we need a cigar czar. And you know who should be appointed cigar czar? You're listening to him. Your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief. Let me into New York. Now, I wouldn't live in New York because I don't want the taxes, and I don't want to live in a shithole city or a shithole state. And I know many of you, look, I'm from the empire, the crumbling empire state of New York originally. And everyone I know that goes back, I was back for 10 days in September. And I couldn't believe the high cost, the inflation, the taxes, just the overall perception of being hostile to its citizens, as opposed to the free state and sunshine state and cigar state of Florida. Big difference. Appoint me as the cigar czar. I will put a cigar in every New Yorker's humidor. I will make cigar friendliness the standard. You want to smoke a cigar in Central Park? Be my guest. You want to smoke a cigar on the sidewalk? Be my guest. You'd like to open a brand new cigar lounge or cigar bar and serve liquor? Be my guest. Appoint me as the cigar czar. We don't need a cannabis czar. We need a cigar czar to protect our rights. It never fails to amuse me that how just such innocuous comments can be misconstrued and get people in such an absolute state of craze and craziness. It it never, I, I see it all the time. You say good morning to someone who's not a morning person and they're offended. You say to a woman, geez, that dress looks great on you. Well, what do you mean? Are you sexually objectifying me? Now, most of the women that I am friendly with and I hang around with, when I give them a genuine compliment, they're very appreciative. They say, oh, thank you, General. Thank you. Well, well, thank you. you. Make somebody feel nice. I don't just spew it. Look, if, if, someone, if a woman's ass looks huge in a dress, I'm not going to say, boy, that dress looks great on you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie about that. But if it, I, I ceases to amaze me how this country, we are so weak and soft that if you say one word that someone disagrees with, they immediately scream, cancel, fire, outrage, apologize. I had somebody say to me, I, this is a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a, a meeting that I attended, and about six months ago, eight months ago, the person that, that attended this meeting with me would just provide absolutely dumb asinine comments. Stupid comments, dumb comments, ridiculous comments. And I called him out on it. And I publicly stated at the meeting that his comments were stupid, that he's being irrational. And everybody in the, in the room looked at me and nodded in agreement. And I finally, I was running the meeting, I cut him off. I said, enough's enough. We've given you your, your opportunity to speak. We have told you multiple times why we're doing something. You disagree, that's fine, but you're going on and on and on. Enough. So at this meeting, he comes to me and stops me and says, you owe me an apology for all your comments. I looked at him, I said, I will never apologize to you for my comments. My comments were 100% correct, and I will never 
ever apologize. So I suggest you spend your time on something more productive. He was flabbergasted. Never apologize if you're right. If somebody, if you make an, have an opinion and somebody's offended, don't apologize. You say, well, I'm sorry. You, a correction. Don't say I'm sorry. That's apologizing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me back it up here. You say, there's no need for me to apologize for my opinion. I believe in my opinion and I stand by my opinion. If you have a problem with it, you're the one with the problem and the issue, not me. Perfect example. Case in point. ESPN's Monday Night Football. And by the way, I know that Monday Night Football, ESPN, brought in brought in uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They think it's a great broadcast team. These guys are snoozers to me. Troy Aikman, absolute snooze fest. Nobody watches an NFL football game for the announcers. I don't care if it's Tony Romo, Jim Nance, hello friends, Kevin Harlan, Makes no difference to me. I watch for the game. Now, you may not like the announcers, or you may find the announcers to add to the game, but that's not going to stop me from watching the game. ESPN felt the need to go pay these two announcers huge amounts of money, $15, $18 million a year. Great. Hey, capital system, I'm all for it. They want to overpay for them? Be my guest. Is it going to add one lick to ratings? The answer is not a lick. But Troy Aikman during Monday night's game between the Kansas City chefs, the Chiefs, who my Bills are playing tomorrow, Sunday, and the Las Vegas Raiders, as the late Al Davis would say, the Raiders. Just win, baby, the Raiders. Big play during the game. When Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones sacked Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, and he also was in the process of stripping the ball from him. It was, in my estimation, it was a legal sack. You're moving forward, quarterback has the ball. He actually tried to let up and land on his hand and not smack dab on Derek Carr. Nonetheless, it was called a roughing the passer. We've seen more of these lame roughing the passer calls. There's one on Tom Brady. We've seen some other ones. I get that the NFL wants to protect quarterbacks. But there's a difference between when somebody is moving and at the split second that that the, the quarterback still has the ball, they start tackling, the quarterback can release it. You can't just stop your momentum. This is not flag football. That doesn't mean that a defensive back should take a quarterback and pound his head into the ground. That's a different story. Defensive lineman Chris Jones for the Chiefs, totally legal hit in my estimation. It was called a penalty. And Troy Aikman had a problem with it. And here is what Troy Aikman's comment was regarding that play and how the league should address it. My hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings and, you know, we take the dresses off. You, of course, know where the problem is. When Troy Aikman stated, we take the dresses off. Innocuous comment, but of course, leave it to the woke mob, the the absolute woke lib mob, the beta mob, the pussy mob. They are going to have a huge problem with that comment. I remember when I was in high school, playing football or whatever sport we were playing, and if we were lollygagging it, our coach would say, come on, ladies, let's step it up. 
Let's go, ladies. You know, he'd welcome us. All right, ladies, welcome to spring or to uh, to to uh, summer football practice. Innocuous. Nobody looked and said, "Oh, he called me a lady. I'm going to report it. I I feel violated." It's so misogynistic. It's so it's so it's so incredibly demeaning. No, we all laughed about it. In fact, we'd call our other buddies. Come on, ladies, let's go. I'd always, still to this day, if I've got friends and they're, and they're slow, I'm like, come on, ladies, step it up, let's go. No big deal. But it did not take long at all for the woke mob to immediately attack Troy Aikman. I mean, the comments that were made, not only on social media, and again, the problem is when people start to listen to social media, it's like living in an echo chamber. You're going to hear the same people, the wussies and betas. Nobody really, to me, I heard the comment. I'm like, yeah, he's right. Take the dresses off. Innocuous. Oh, we had people saying, going on and on, stating that, that the remark was misogynistic. It was sexist. Losers demanding that Aikman be fired. Yeah, good luck. He's got a five-year, $90 million deal, and you can be damn sure. You can be damn sure that his agent and his attorney made sure that was locked tight. They want to fire him? They're paying him the rest of that contract. But, I mean, the amount of people saying, how much is ESPN paying Troy Aikman to spew misogynistic jokes on Monday Night Football? Here's another person. And, And what's amazing is the number of comments by wussified beta males. Why? Because we've got a pussified male population now. They don't have testosterone. They have been castrated almost at birth by the feminist movement. Here's another comment. Troy Aikman is a dumbass. He needs to be fired. There's no place for that kind of talk in broadcasting. There are plenty of people who can do his job. They don't need Aikman. Really? He needs to be fired? No kind of talk, giving an opinion, take the dresses off? Here's another person, a male, again. You can make your point without talking about dresses, Aikman. Here's another comment from a dame. My hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings and we take the dresses off. Oh, no, correction. She said it was an awful call, but let's not overlook Troy Aikman's sexist comment. So she talks about the dresses. What's sexist? Take the dresses off. This isn't a sport for girls. Now, to say that that comment is sexist, it's misogynistic, it's putting demeaning women, it's throwing the glass ceiling up, talk about overreaction. Talk about these losers that have nothing better to do. And Aikman should have just left it at that, not even addressed it. And if someone asked him, said, I stand by my comment. It wasn't misogynistic. It wasn't sexist. I was making a point. That's my opinion. End of discussion. Oh, no. Didn't end there. Because on Thursday, Thursday morning, Aikman appeared on Sports Radio 96.7 FM, 1310 AM, the ticket in Dallas. And he was asked about the comment. And what does he do? Big mistake. He apologizes. Here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, my comments were dumb. Just shouldn't have made them. Just dumb remarks on my part. But the other part of what came from that What I said was that it implied that I'm not in favor of protecting the quarterbacks, which could not be further from the truth. I'm totally in favor of the protection that the quarterbacks are afforded, and all players for that matter. 
but there's no question there's been over-enforcement of the protection for quarterbacks. So he gave a quasi-apology. My comments were dumb. Shouldn't have made that. Just dumb remarks on my part. No, he should have said, I stand by that comment. My comment was to say that this is not a sport for for you know ladies that are playing, for girls or ladies. This is tough. This is a man's sport. Now, if women want to play football, okay, fine, but they're not going to play with the men. But again, we have this need. There is now all of a sudden, everyone has to apologize for everything. You say something that someone misconstrues, I need to put out a statement. I need to apologize. I need to get on my knees because I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be th- uh, thought of as someone that's sexist and misogynistic and racist. Have your opinion. Stand by your opinion. Be an alpha male with a giant set of titanium nads like a giant mighty oak in a gale force wind. Stand firm. And those that don't like it, too damn bad. Never apologize. Never, never, never apologize. You have an opinion? Stand by it. Don't apologize. Be an alpha male. The International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony comes your way next as we kick off a little bit late Cigar Oktoberfest. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. The start of Cigar Oktoberfest normally begins... Right around the beginning of October, but between Hurricane Ian and all the other delays around Hurricane Ian, we are starting our Oktoberfest celebratory maneuvers just a tad bit late. However, you can be sure that for the next two, three weeks, we will be full speed ahead with great beer tastings paired up with great cigars. And it's only appropriate I start Cigar Oktoberfest with a cigar specifically made for Oktoberfest, the Casada Oktoberfest Seasonal 2022 Edition Cigar from the Casada family. Now, the Casada Oktoberfest goes way back. I think now at least, I want to say, seven, eight years. Every year they come out with a different Oktoberfest series. This year, and I pull, uh, I'm pulling one out right now, that which is their... Bavarian, five and a half inches in length with a 52 ring gauge Robusto. Comes in a box of 10. So the suggested retail is $9.50 for the Bavarian, which is a Robusto, and the Das Boot, which is a Torpedo, 6x52, is $9.90. Beautiful looking cigar. They've made some blend changes. Let's start off with the wrapper. It is now using a beautiful... Mexican San Andrean Marron wrapper. Nice, beautiful, dark Maduro. 
The binder is from the Dominican Republic. The long filler blend is from the Dominican Republic. This is a nice medium-bodied cigar. Some of the past versions were medium to full, were full. This is tending to be on the medium-bodied side, and they wanted to blend it so it would go very nicely with several types of spirits. It would go great with a nice beer. It would go nice with a nice bourbon or even a scotch. Very nice-looking cigar, beautiful, shiny, oily wrapper. I believe this comes from uh, the... Of course, the Torrent family, known for their incredible San Andrean uh, wrapper, whether it's Maron, Carrojo, Criollo, they make fantastic cigars. We have featured many of the Torrent cigars in our Officers Club. And in fact, I've got a notice about the Officers Club that I will talk about in the next segment. Very important notice that I want to share with our Officers Club members. But this cigar, Oktoberfest Seasonal 2022 edition by Quesada. Cannot wait to get a hold of it. What an absolutely magnificent looking stick. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self sharpening double edged stainless steel guillotine in my right hot hand, ready to properly cut this beautiful Casada Oktoberfest 2022 edition Bavarian Robusto. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I've just pulled out the grenade. Looks like a grenade, round feel, big tank, giant single jet flame coming out of this thing. Almost looks like a welder's torch. From the guys that wear the pocket protectors and sleep, eat, think, dream, fantasize about litation devices 24-7, 365. This is the prototype Cigar Dave Grenade. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, here comes the cut. Perfect cut, as always, on this Casada Oktoberfest 2022 edition Bavarian. Five and a half inches in length, as I mentioned. 52 ring gauge, 52 64ths of an inch in diameter. Again, suggested retail 950. This is going to be medium, medium, full, beautiful looking cigar. It's got a, a, a Casada Oktoberfest band and now a secondary band, almost a red and uh, orange checkerboard that says 2022. 20 on the top line, 22 on the bottom line to differentiate the year. Very nicely done. As I toast the foot of this beautiful looking stick, oh, the aroma right off the bat. And I am looking at a beer that I will enjoy for Cigar Oktoberfest libationary maneuvers momentarily that I have been drooling, salivating over since I started this show. What, about uh, 25, 30 minutes ago, whatever it is. All right, let me now puff and rotate, taking my time. Mm. Oh, yeah. foot of the cigar. One little touch up here. Now let me puff and rotate. Mm-hmm. And as always, I take one puff out. Let the cigar sit for just a few minutes. And let me tell you, the first notes I'm noticing, some cocoa, almost a little bit of a spicy pepper. Very, very pleasant. Very nice. And the one thing about the San Andrean Marone, you really 
just an absolutely fantastic, uh, uh, just earthiness to it. So very nice with a bit of sweetness, but still with a lot of flavor, not overpowering. Magnificent cigars. I take another puff. Mm. So you have, mm-hmm. you've got the San Andrade Marone wrapper that's delivering a lot of flavor. And then you have the balance, the smoothness, the sweetness of some of the Dominican cigar tobaccos. So Manuel Casada, I know, loves to blend cigars that have personality, as he likes to say, but are not going to be overpowering or harsh. Uh, Manuel's always stated to me, whenever he blends a cigar, he said, look, every cigar should have its own unique personality, but that personality should not have any harshness. It shouldn't have any bitterness. It should always be very pleasant on your palate. And Manuel Casada has been blending great cigars for many, many years. One of the first people I met in the cigar industry. One of the greats. And I'll tell you, this cigar, Manuel and his daughters, A1, outstanding job. All right, so now I've got my Casada Oktoberfest 2022 edition, my Bavarian Robusto, but now I need the proper accompaniment, the pop, uh, proper accoutrement to wash the beautiful flavor of the cigar down the palate. Scotch, bourbon, and beer commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Since we are starting Cigar Oktoberfest, I need a cigar, or correction, a libation that number one is going to pair up beautifully with my Casada Oktoberfest 2022, and number two, that has something unique about the beer, something maybe seasonal since we are celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest. And from the oldest brewery in America, D.G. Yingling & Son, which began in Pennsylvania. Actually, uh, they still have their original uh, uh, brewery, and they've got another one a couple of miles away, and they've got one in Tampa, the Cigar City of Tampa. They bought from Anheuser-Busch. Got to be at least 10-plus years ago now, right near Busch Gardens. They are known for creating some very unique beers. Now, they've got their Oktoberfest, which we will probably sample in the next couple of weeks, a seasonal. But they released, back about four years ago, a seasonal that is off the charts. They took two of the old great brands in the country. Yingling Beer goes back, I think, over 200 years, around 200 years. And they took Hershey's. Great chocolate manufacturer, also going back over 200 years. And they combined, so they joined forces, and Yingling and Hershey's now have come out with a seasonal Yingling Hershey's Chocolate Porter. A porter with natural flavors, brewed in their Pottsville, PA, one of their two Pottsville breweries. Pottsville is located north of Harrisburg, just about southeast of Williamsport and west of, uh, of Allentown, Scranton, that area. Beautiful looking bottle I've got in my hand. It's got the Hershey's logo. It's got Yingling on top. I have been waiting for I don't know how long to get my hands on this bad boy. And now I'm going to open it up. It is nice and chilled. Actually, I'm just looking at this bottle opener. It's from the Intercontinental Hotel in Buckhead, Atlanta. I must have stayed there. I swiped this way back. And actually, as I open this thing up, not only is it a bottle opener, but there is a twist, there's a wine opener in here as well. How do you like that? 
can never have too many of these things. I keep them in my desk. You keep them in uh, Humidor 1A. Keep them all over the place. Command Center Alpha, you never know when you're going to need it. All right, so let me now pour this beer. I'm going to pour it in a nice snifter. I always like, even though you can put it in more of a beer mug, I like a regular good old-fashioned scotch, scotch snifter because it really allows the aromas to centralize right on my nose. So as I take a sip of this, or correction, as I take a sniff, Wow, getting some nice chocolate. I'm getting some maltiness, a little sweetness. So let us say cheers. That was kind of weak. Well, that's the best I'm going to get off this bottle. All right, let me try one of them. Let's see if this one's better. Nope. That's the best clink I'm going to get today. Let me take a sip. Mm. Oh, wowie. Mmm. Mmm. Show wing. Outstanding, amazing, amazing compilation. Taking Yingling's Porter and then adding Hershey's Chocolate to it. Just incredible. So this is now the fourth year in a row that Yingling has collaborated with Hershey's to come out with their seasonal Yingling Hershey Porter. It comes in a six-pack and 12-pack bottles. Also on draft, depending on where you go. Probably primarily in the Northeast, you will find that. Very, very popular beer. I'll tell you, beer, chocolate, two of the essential food groups. You can never go wrong. And when you think about this time of year, not only between Oktoberfest we're celebrating, but Halloween, candy, chocolate. This is chocolate for adults. Take another sip. Mmm. Wow. This is incredible. 4.7% alcohol by volume. I would say on the IBUs, International Bitterness Units, this is not bitter at all. This is really deceptive because you look at this dark chocolate porter and you think, oh, this is going to be super strong, super full. Nope, it is beautiful. In fact, I've got Pendragon's Royal Baron right next to me who's sniffing. You sniffing that, Baron? Can you hear him? He came right up. As soon as I opened that up, he wanted to sniff it. Here, you want to sniff it, Baron? Yeah, okay. Even he likes it. He wants a sip. No, no sip for you. I know, and no chocolate for you. No chocolate for, for dogs, especially German Shepherds. Mm. I can see why he wanted to sniff this. It is incredible. So they combine Yingling's 193-year-old dark brewed porter recipe with Hershey's chocolate, and you've got an absolutely magnificent beer. In fact, I'm going to probably pick up on down to two bottles. What I normally do is, for something like this, it's got to last the entire year. So I'll go out and I'll pick up probably, uh, yeah, maybe I'll pick up two 12-packs and I will just keep them in one of my refrigerators and just take one out every maybe month, two weeks, three weeks, just every so often to take it out and enjoy. Mm. Let me take a puff of my Casada Oktoberfest 2022. Mm. Outstanding. Absolutely award-winning combination. The Sada Oktoberfest 2022 edition and the Yingling Hershey Chocolate Porter Beer seasonal brew that is only available for the next couple of months. And then when it's done, it is done. So my suggestion, go pick one up at your nearest retailer. Fantastic. Cannot go wrong. All right, when we return, the final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show, we'll talk about Fake meat being dead. D. 
DC Comics makes a large cancellation and thumbs up emojis now are being canceled and we'll tell you by whom. The final segment of the Cigar Dave Show is next. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Last few years, we've seen an explosion in the discussion and the popularity of plant-based meat, fake meat. Well, here we are about three years from all these meat companies, Impossible Meat and Beyond Meat, making their debuts on Wall Street and and big announcements at McDonald's and Burger King. They're going to have the, what is it, the plant-based Whopper, and they're going to have the the uh, McPlant burger, and now it's disappearing from all these fast food companies' menus. McDonald's hasn't had the McPlant burger in a while. They haven't even been talking about it. The stocks of these companies, beyond me, give you a perfect example. In 2019, July of 2019, three months after they went public, they hit a high of $240 a share. People couldn't get enough stock from Beyond Meat. With minimal earnings, typical run up on Wall Street, buy all the hype, buy all the publicity, but there were no earnings behind it. I just checked yesterday, that stock finished right under $14 a share. I think it was like $13.80 a share. Down 94 0.3% in three years. Now think about that for a second. How would you like to have put $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, $100,000 of your portfolio into Beyond Meat? Let's say you put in $10,000. $10,000 today would be worth what? Like $300? Talk about a lousy investment. But people kept saying, this is the future it's so much better for our environment, for climate. That's all we heard. It's so much better. It uses less water. It uses less carbon. It uses just less climate blueprint or, or footprint, if you will. That's all we heard. That it was just inevitable before everybody was eating plant-based meat. That real meat and real poultry will be finished in a matter of years. Major grocery stores started featuring all these plant-based meats, Impossible and, and Beyond Meat. They, every, everywhere you went, they had giant end caps. They had giant display cases, big signs. They were just pushing it left and right. And a lot of people sampled it, and they looked at it. And I remember going into a supermarket 
I think it was Whole Foods, and they had various uh, samples of it. I think it was Beyond Meat. And I took the samples, and I'm like, okay, it doesn't exactly taste like meat. I mean, not my cup of tea. And then I looked at the ingredients, and I told the guy standing there, I said, so I'm supposed to give up real meat whose sole ingredient is meat, beef, for this stuff, which is loaded with sodium and loaded with sugars and loaded with all sorts of other garbage. No, thank you. The boom, the fake meat boom is over, Rover. Real meat is now front and center. And part of the reason is wokeness. People are tired of the woke bullshit. They are tired of being made to feel that if you eat meat, that all of a sudden you are harming the environment, that you need to do more for our our climate footprint, so it's better that you eat this. And people started eating it, and they realized it it doesn't taste like the real thing, doesn't have the real texture, and it's loaded with all this other garbage. And what do we hear? Oh, it's better for animal welfare. It's better for climate change. It's better for personal responsibility. And then people said, you know, I'm tired of the woke bullshit, and I'm tired of being made to feel guilty because I want to enjoy meat. I'm going to enjoy the real thing. So now, Impossible Foods, Beyond Meat, all the other plant-based meat companies are having a tough time. And the prices on those plant-based meats weren't exactly cheap. But more so, look at the ingredients. I'm on the Impossible plant-based meat website right now, looking at their impossible beef. It's essentially a ground beef substitute. Now, when I buy ground beef, usually it's 80-20, 90-10 on the fat content. You can get 95-5, you can get ultra lean, 70-30. But the sole ingredient is beef, is meat. That's it. There's no sugar, there's no sodium, there's no chemicals. It's beef, 100% real beef. Here are the ingredients in the impossible beef plant-based substitute. Water, soy protein concentrate, sunflower oil, coconut oil, natural flavors, methyl cellulose, cultured dextrose, food starch modified, yeast extract, soy leg hemoglobin, salt, Mixed tocopherols, L-tryptophan, soy protein isolate. Do I really need to eat a soy-based burger? Soy isn't good for you to begin with. And then when they put in methyl cellulose, cultured dextrose, and here's an ingredient that a lot of people don't really realize that we don't fully know the safety of. Soy leg hemoglobin. That is a chemical that is used to give meat that red blood type of look, like real meat. And now there's some questions about it. Why do I want to eat anything from all these chemicals? When most people, by the way, are trying to get rid of chemicals. They're trying to eat healthier. They want natural ingredients. If I want chicken, I want real chicken. If I want beef, I want real beef. It's amazing to me because every so often, especially in the winter, I'll make like chicken soup or split pea soup. And I bought one of those, not the crock pots, but the pressure cookers. And when you look at the ingredients on the side of a can of soup 
or store-bought soup, the number of chemicals and the amount of sodium and all the other junk in there is really astonishing. When I make my soup, it's very simple. I put in water. I get loads of vegetables. I put in carrots. My chicken soup, onions, celery, carrots. I'll take a real chicken, a giant big chicken, and I'll put that in the in the pot, but I put it in a cheesecloth. Then when it's done, I let it cool, and then I chop it up, put it back. I will use noodles. Sometimes I'll make my own matzo balls. But it has no junk. I don't even put sodium in there. I put salt. I tell people when I give the soup away, you got to add your own salt. Got to add your own pepper. I don't want an overly salt-laden soup. At Costco, they've got a soup, a chicken soup, chicken noodle soup that actually tastes fantastic. It's available seasonally, usually from September to around April. It's fantastic. Tastes great. Until I looked at the amount of sodium, one serving is like 1,100 milligrams of sodium. No thank you. And it's got all these other modified food starch and all this other garbage that's in there. People want the real thing. Meat, chicken, Fish, seafood will never become obsolete. Humans were made to eat those animal and fish and seafood-based food products. Not a plant-based food product that's loaded with all sorts of other garbage to try to give it a taste similar to beef or poultry, but not even close. So to say that I'm shedding a tear for all this fake meat, These companies going down the tubes, not one. The food police better stay away from my quality dead animal products. Stay away from my grill. Stay away from my smoker. Stay away from my meat. Stay away from my seafood. Stay away from my poultry and my chicken, and we'll be just fine. Talking about going woke, then going broke, DC Comics, the... Company behind Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, all those great adventure hero comic books that we used to read as kids, decided a number of years ago, several years ago, they were going to go woke. And here is Exhibit A. They announced, geez, probably not even a year ago, that they were going to create a gay Superman. The Man of Steel, whose motto was truth, Justice and the American Way was replaced by the motto, Truth, Justice, and the Rainbow Way. Another example of the LGBTQ bullshit being shoved down our throats. Now, let me make it very clear. I don't care what your sexual persuasion is. It makes no difference to me. You want to have a harem of men. You want a harem of women. You want to bang 10 men if you're a guy. I don't care. Not my business, just like it's not my other people's business if I want to have my lovely harem of 32 to service me whenever I need. I don't need people getting into my business, and I don't believe in getting people into other people's business. If that's how you want to live your life, I don't have no problem with it. Doesn't bother me in the least. Now, do I can't stand the fact that the gayness now is being shoved down our throats on all these movies and TV shows where they've got to show men kissing, they've got to show men holding hands. I'm sorry. I don't want it shoved down my throat. And I certainly don't want men wearing banana slings shoved down my throat. Literally, 
and figuratively shoved down my throat. Not my, not my jam. Not my thing. If it's yours, enjoy. Be well, live, enjoy, be happy. But people are fed up of the gay quotient, as I call it, the GQ, the gay quotient being shoved down everybody's throats. Perfect example. DC Comics decides they're going to come out with Gay Superman, who is Jonathan Kent, the son of Clark Kent, the original Superman Man of Steel, and Lois Lane. They first announced the Gay Superman last year when Jonathan Kent became romantically involved with reporter Jay Nakamura in Superman, son of Cal L. Number 5, which had an immediate backlash. People that were comic book aficionados, that were big fans of Superman, said enough. They stopped buying it. Why? Because they didn't want it shoved down their throats. Gay Superman, Jonathan Kent, also marched for climate change, supported open borders. It's no longer the American way. It is the woke way. I'm sorry, Superman has nothing to do with climate change, open borders being political. Superman was about protecting those that whose crime was being perpetuated upon them or people who were downtrodden. That's what Superman did. He was a hero. He helped people. I don't need him at the border. I don't need him talking, saying we must all go to electric vehicles. And I certainly don't need him to espouse his sexual preference. Once you go woke, you shall go broke. And what did DC Comics do? They've just announced that Gay Superman is officially dead. They have canceled Gay Superman. Gee, I'm shocked. People didn't want to buy Gay Superman. People don't have a problem in this country about people's sexual persuasion. You want to be a lesbian? You want to be gay? No problem. Have at it. Do your thing. But that doesn't mean that I need it rubbed in my face or thrown in my face at all times. And that's how I feel. I have no problem with whatever people want to live. It's not my thing. I don't get it. But I don't come and say, hey, you shouldn't do that. If you enjoy it, be my guest. But let's stop this nonsense where we, as, what, 97% Americans who are heterosexual, we have to change everything else for the 3% that are homosexual or lesbian or queer or transsexual or quadrosexual or multisexual. It's not being disparaging gay, the LGBTQ lifestyle. It's not being homophobic. It simply means I don't want it shoved in my face and shoved down my throat. Most people won't say that. I will because I tell you the truth. Most people can't say that because they say, oh, I'm going to get canceled and, oh, I'll be perceived as homophobic. We need more people to stand up and say, live the life you want to live, but do not inflict your values, your lifestyle upon me. We don't need gay Superman. We don't need gay Batman. We don't need an action hero that is going to talk about climate change and march for open borders. Don't need it. Don't want it. End of discussion. So DC Comics, I don't know who the brilliant executives that came up with this concept to let's uh, to introduce a gay Superman, but whomever came up with it, they should all be fired. 
Common sense dictates never screw around with America's superheroes. End of discussion. Finally, Gen Z, known as the Zoomers. I had to look this up because I know where the millennials were born, but now we've got the Gen Z Zoomers who succeeded millennials and now they're preceding Generation Alpha. Now, I have a feeling Generation Alpha is going to be more like Generation Beta. But Generation Z, Gen Z, they were born in the mid-90s until around 2010. So roughly, they're between 12 and 27. And if you look right dab in the middle, they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. This is the segment that is now attending college and university. This is the segment of, of people who are now have gone off the deep end. They've become rabid Marxist socialists. They are anti-American. That if you say something that they're offended, they want their professor to be fired. If work is too hard, they immediately say that you must fire the professor. This isn't fair. This isn't right. And why is this generation, this Generation Z, Gen Z, why did they turn out the way they did? Because their parents coddled them and told them they were perfect they were wonderful, that they were winners, that never told them the harsh realities of life, that every so often you are going to lose, that you need to know how to lose so that you can use that as motivation to win and become successful. They have been wussified, pussified, and they are now a bunch of pansy-ass wussies. That's the straight call on what they are. And here's a perfect example. I mean, we saw an example this week or last week where a Columbia professor teaching organic chemistry, which is not an easy subject. I took it, advanced placement uh, chemistry. It is not easy in any way, shape, or form. I was very fortunate because the teacher that taught my class would stay after school, would, would tutor us, would help us, couldn't have been nicer and wanted us to succeed. He would he'd tell all of us, he goes, I want you all to pass. I don't want to give anybody a bad grade. So I will help you. It is a very difficult subject, but I will try to make it easier and we'll do this together. And sure enough, he did. And I was very appreciative of it. Do I remember that much of organic chemistry today? Not really. However, when I was going through it, I found the subject to be interesting. And when you have someone that explains it and that can teach it to you and can tutor you, that can so that you get that aha moment like aha now i get it it makes it all worthwhile so that when you do take a test and you are take an exam you say haha now i remember exactly how this is figured out i remember this formula i remember this you're prepared the problem is these gen zers don't want to prepare they want everything handed to them everything should be easy when they come out of college they expect to get a $200,000 a year job to do nothing doesn't work that way in the real world. And their parents never had that enlightening conversation with them. The chemistry professor at NYU, who was visiting, I think, from another, another school, I think it was either University of Pennsylvania or maybe this was at Columbia, I can't remember. NYU, Columbia, whatever it was. Well-regarded professor. Very, very well-respected. People liked him. Very difficult class. But he made it attempted to do everything he could. He recorded hundreds of videos to assist the students. He did everything he could to assist the students to help them understand the course materials. Did most of the 
students in his class, this Gen Z era, did they take advantage of those videos? No. Did they show up to class? No. And he said, I could tell, even when they were coming in on Zoom, the ones that were attending, the ones that weren't. And yet, all of a sudden, when they failed, a majority of the class sent a letter to administration saying, this isn't fair, it's too hard, too many people are failing, that he should be fired. The unmitigated gall of these students to request a teacher, be a professor, be fired because the course material is difficult and they didn't do lift one finger in an attempt to learn it or to get assistance. This guy should be fired? I don't think so. All of those students should be failed. And if they don't like it, too bad. Welcome to the real world. Perfect case in point. And here's another case in point. Gen Zers are now calling out the popular thumbs-up emoji, get this, for being rude and hostile, saying it feels like they're being attacked when they see it in the workplace. A thumbs-up emoji is hostile, is rude, it makes them feel attacked. I wonder how the men of the same age who are storming the beaches of Normandy during World War II, who were battling at Iwo Jima, I wonder if they felt hostility on the battlefield and in the workplace. It is laughable. The best generation, the greatest generation, were getting bullets and mortar fire as they were trying to scale the cliffs of Normandy. They were in real hostile, a real hostile environment to save the world. But these Gen Zers are now feeling attacked over a stupid, cartoon-like thumbs-up emoji? Apparently, for younger people, the thumbs-up emoji is used to be, a, uh, to be passive-aggressive. A number of Gen Zs interviewed on this said, it's super rude if someone sends you a thumbs-up, saying they had a weird time adjusting because the workplace, many people in the workplace send a thumbs-up emoji after an email. First of all, you shouldn't use emojis at all in an email or in any communication in business. But I've got a bigger problem than just the people that say they get texts or emails. How about picking up the phone and talking to the other person? The problem is we have so many of the Gen Zers today that don't even want to get on the phone and talk. If, if a business colleague is in the next office over, maybe a three to five foot walk in their cubicle, they will not get up and look over the cubicle, or go to the office and ask a question and converse with vocal communication. They'll send it in a stupid text. And the other thing that drives me crazy is the fact that they will use text without a, without proper pronounce, a, uh, without a proper capitalization, without proper grammar, with using these, these, these uh, shortened abbreviations for various words. They won't use proper punctuation. You look at it, and I'm like, I don't understand what these people say. When I send a text or an email, I use proper pronunciation. I use proper English. I use proper capitalization, uppercase, lowercase, when appropriate, and proper punctuation. 
That's how I learned in high school and in college. That's how you communicate. But apparently today, that's way too difficult. How pathetic that we now have a generation. Look at the greatest generation. Fought World War II. They were 16 and 17-year-olds volunteering even though they weren't of age. 18 to save their country. Now we have these 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds that are complaining because an organic chemistry class is too hard. And they all didn't get A's without having to work for it. They're complaining because a stupid thumbs-up emoji they find to be rude and hostile. And then it scares them. It terrifies them. They also believe that some of these other emojis should be canceled, such as the okay hand, the check mark, a loud crying face, the clapping hands, or a grimacing, grimacing face. We have become way too pussified, wussified, and soft in this country. And this isn't about just generational differences. This is about the future of this country, that you're going to put it in the hands of kids who are terrified over a thumbs-up emoji? We're in the real world. The real world can be nasty, can be harsh, can be difficult. You're not always going to get A's. You're not always going to win. And when we look at a lot of these young men who are going off and on these shooting sprees that we've seen it starting in Colorado in the theaters, the movie theaters, and we're seeing it on a regular basis. We saw it in Buffalo. We saw it in Uvalde, Texas. What's the root cause? The root cause is the fact that none of these young men, number one, have a male, strong male alpha influence. Number two, none of these young men have learned how to lose and how to recover from losing. They're always talk told, you're great, you're wonderful. No score in baseball, no score in, 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 in softball or flag football or soccer. No, no, everyone's a winner. Not everyone is a winner. You have winners, you have losers. You learn how to lose and you learn how to use that as motivation to become more successful and win. But when they don't get their way, what happens? They watch these video games and they go out and they start these shooting sprees. And many parents are to blame. You look at that Buffalo shooter. They they knew this kid was a mental case. They knew he was a nut job. And yet, they go out and buy a gun for him? This goes back to the parents. I have plenty of friends who have kids that are Gen Z that do not act like this that aren't afraid, that aren't timid, that would never in a million years question whether or not a professor should be fired because a course was too difficult. They were taught to work. They were taught you don't always win. You do lose. And when you lose, this is how you handle it. They had proper alpha male influences in their lives. They were taught the value of work. They weren't taught you're perfect You're a winner. You get a participation trophy. We need more parents to get back to reality, to being parents and not to be buddies. Otherwise, the results are tragic, as we're seeing on these male shooters. And here we've got these college students that are complaining about a a course that's too tough and now complaining that a cartoon emoji, a thumbs up, is passive aggressive and is rude and hostile. 
The future of this nation relies upon the next generation to get a sack of balls. Get a set. Get a nut sack. Start being alpha. And for parents that are not doing their jobs as parents and making sure their kids are not being taught, they're not all winners, and that life is hard, the parents are the losers as well. And unfortunately, it spreads to all of society. I will guarantee that every male, alpha male, and even women, we have many women listeners, female that is listening, they know the importance of how to raise their kids. They would never let their kids in Gen Z say, oh, I'm afraid of an emoji. Oh, get rid of a professor. It is time we as a country toughen up. We talked about Troy Aikman making a comment that we've got to get these uh, the, the NFL players out of these dresses, and everybody went crazy. Everybody was hostile. Everybody thought it was misogynistic and sexist. It is time that this country, the people in this country, not you and I, because we're alphas, grow a backbone, grow a set, start acting like adults instead of baby little wussies that are three-year-olds. The fight to save America begins with those of us that are alpha males. You are doing your part. I am doing my part. Unfortunately, we've got a great majority that are giant pussies. We can't, unfortunately, help every one of them, but there are many that we can, and to those that we can, we shall make sure that the next generation of men are not wussified, they are not sissified, and they are not betafied. One quick note about the Cigar Dave Officers Club. We have not had a selection now for about three months. The reason being is all the cigar manufacturers are just beyond backordered between supply chain issues, between labor issues. Here's a little factoid that many people may not realize. Many of the rollers in Nicaragua, Honduras, they're actually getting up and traveling to the American border. They are, they're telling their fellow workers, hey, Biden has opened the border. We can all go. They're taking their savings, whatever they have, $5,000, $10,000, and they're basically paying coyotes to take them across the border. That is fact. So everything right now in the cigar industry is in a state of flux. Back orders are prevalent, getting bands, getting materials. So we did not want to, every single selection we had, we were told it's going to be a delay of a month, two months. Didn't want to do that. We did not charge anybody at any of our members' credit cards. We, I believe for 2023, we are going to change this, the program. I believe we're going to go more to a quarterly type program where we're going to offer a 10 cigar sampler pack. That is what I have been able to get because I can, I can plan much farther ahead with the manufacturers. For example, if we know what we're going to do in June or next August, it makes it easy for us to procure the cigars, lay them down. So we are working on that. We'll have an announcement on that. We will probably not have a November selection. We are working on a December for the end of the year, but be assured, your membership is still good. We are not charging your card. We don't want to be in a position, and I don't want to be in a position where we charge someone's card and then we are tremendously delayed. We had that earlier this summer. It's the first time we ever had that. Don't like it. Don't want to do it. So we're going to look to make modifications. Look, you have to change with the times. We've done the Officers Club in its monthly format for about, I would say now, oh, geez, I would say probably about 20 years or so now. 
So we will look to make some modifications. And one of the things that makes going to a quarterly 10 cigar arrangement better is the fact that now I can actually create some new blends not available to the public working with the cigar manufacturers. I'm already working with two boutique manufacturers on creating a special blend only available to Officers Club members. So while the Officers Club membership may change, we will let you know. Again, we are not going to automatically put everybody in. We will allow people to opt in. We will send an email to everyone talking about the new program. But I just wanted to be very clear on that because we have received emails and we have sent out emails. The problem is a great number of the emails we sent out to our members get rejected by spam folders or or, or spam limiters, spam blockers. So we do send them out, but unfortunately, a huge number get kicked back. So those of you that are members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, Wanted to give you an update as soon as we know what we're going to do for 2023. And I anticipate in the next month or so we will know. We will certainly send that out to you. We will put it on CigarDave.com as well as uh, post that on social media and as well send uh, an email to everyone as well. And we'll talk about it on the show here too so everybody is fully aware. That is it for this weekend. Big football game coming up. Today, we've got Syracuse, North Carolina State. I cannot believe my Syracuse Orange men, I believe, are 5-0. and Is it 5-0? and Wait a minute. I want to be sure. Hold on a second. Syracuse football. I want to say 5-0, and but maybe it's 6-0. and I can't remember. 5-0 and against North Carolina State. And that is 3.30. Actually, today, as we drop the show right around new, 3.30 this afternoon on national TV. That will be big. And tomorrow, nobody. And I mean nobody circles my Buffalo, circles the wagons like my Buffalo Bills. A rematch, the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. Should be a big game. It is the CBS national game in the 4.30 window tomorrow Eastern time. All I can tell you is, go Bills. Let us get to the Super Bowl. We know our mission. We sh- we got... we. Bad decisions last year during those fateful 13 seconds. The Bills have learned from that. And I am somewhat optimistic. I should say somewhat. I am cautiously optimistic. The Bills are on an interesting road this year, hopefully to the promised land of the Super Bowl. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Red wave, big red wave coming in November. Election day, less than three weeks away. Cannot wait to that day. It's going to be a huge red wave. And tomorrow, Josh Allen and my Buffalo Bills whack the Chiefs. Go Bills!